Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. 12 days of Christmas, day four. We've been opening gifts every single day. And I'm telling you, these are gifts I'd want. For real? Oh, no. Yesterday, <laughs> I was all giddy. <laughs> well, I got to open a record player. I know. And albums. And albums. Come on. When's the last time you had an album in your hand? Oh, Probably yesterday. Over the weekend. <laughs> no, I mean, not the pre- Yeah. It was like yesterday at my house. So I'm good. But That's right. You, uh, do yeah. you play records at home? I do once in a while. Really? So does my Love son. It. Love it. Their age group is back into vinyls. They call we, them vinyls. Yes, they are. Oh. They are. albums, yeah. So Young Thunder's like, yes, I can attest. I'm, I'm still in that age group. I'm not. I'm not. It's. <laughs> a, I have no idea how to. I don't have any idea how to start a record player. What? I, I've never played a record nope. player either. I'd probably mess it up. What? Yeah, I'm not joking. I've never touched okay. one. Okay. I... I need Carl <laughs> right nice. now. I mean, you talk about a record stop right there. What? <laughs> I am flabbergasted. I, and I was born in 1995. Else. I don't care. Cassette tapes were all the rage. Oh, man. I can't, well, record. I'm surprised you even know how to oh, play cassette tapes. Yes, please. I do. Uh, so and when, the pencil? What's the pencil for? Uh, to turn the tape back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, okay. I, I remember my... My one specific memory of a cassette tape was when I was five years old and my mom was driving me to kindergarten in Modesto, California, and we were listening to a Winnie the Pooh story tape on cassette in the car. And it was a a story about Eeyore's birthday and he wanted a cake with pink sugar frosting. Okay. And my birthday was coming up. And I said, oh, man, I want Eeyore's cake. And so for my birthday, my mom made me Eeyore's pink sugar frosting cake. Oh, wow. And that's really cute. It felt so special because I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm eating Eeyore's cake. Me and Eeyore. Yeah. Have the you same tight. Yes. We that's, were tight. We were oh, best buds. That is so sweet. Yeah. So that's my cassette tape that's memory. That's cassette tape. Yeah. And Super Dye's got vinyls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of them. What, what what did you listen to? Lots what what was your like you know, main listening to? I definitely type of grew up with cassette tapes. Cassette yeah, but I remember how exciting it was like when the first iPod yeah came yeah, out, and absolutely. all of a sudden you could you didn't have to lug those big because <laughs> I had a every person my age had a big black the same like case logic I think it was what it was called <laughs> where you carried all your CDs yes oh yeah absolutely oh, yes. so it, it had those plastic sleeves that over time would get brittle and yep. yellow yep oh yeah and the, 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 the discs would get scratched but you had that in your car yeah absolutely sure. and so sure. I remember when it transitioned from that to all of a sudden there was like an iPod and an aux so you, cord and, you could play it in your car oh my so then you just had this little and they were pretty thick it was like a, a like a yeah, it was a brick yeah it was kind of like a brick so it was still break a guy's kinda, window with that still kind of heavy but it was so much better than having to carry around those cds oh yeah absolutely did you ever have the the not the ipod touches but the ipod shuffle i did the, the ipod shuffle was like that was I, a big it was commodity. like the size of a quarter in uh-huh. your hand and it didn't have a screen and you just Hit skip until it. you found the song. I loved it. It was it was perfect. Oh, you so could good. Clip it on yep. your shorts and work out with it, and you didn't have to deal with trying to trying to run on a treadmill listening to a discman. Yeah, 
and you a discman is that what they were what yes do you remember the discman they were called discmans yes discman. mm-hmm. that's how you would listen to cds to have workout music and they would so skip they and... would skip because as you're running on the treadmill yeah. it would be kind of you're scratching the cd yeah oh. <laughs> now if i oh, throw man. out the words eight track to the two of you do i get crickets <laughs> i've heard of it thank you we're done now <laughs> what how is that different no, than a cassette no how is it different we're how done <laughs> Later, later, another conversation. <laughs> you when you're older, yeah, a different day. That was your stroll down music memory lane. Love Coming it. up, we're going to take another stroll down memory lane. Do you remember the first time you stood up in a Christmas pageant or a play? Uh, someone probably wrapped a sheet around your head and called you a shepherd, <laughs> right? or put a little a vest on you, you and with the headband, yep, <laughs> or a pair of wings and called you an angel. Yeah, there's a lot to the Christmas story. Sometimes it gets dumbed down and reduced to a couple key parts. But today we're going to spend some time really uh, d- doing a deep dive on the Christmas story, the richness of it. We've got a guest coming up in this next half hour. But first, let's talk Christmas pageants. Lots of fun stuff happens Tons. there. We're going to share some stories with you coming up. Bring back memories. This Brings a, oh, back memories. Classic Christmas pageant Classic song. Classic Christmas pageant. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Keep that music going. On it. He oh. went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You've probably heard that passage or uh, some similar uh, version read at a Christmas play somewhere. Yeah. There were children maybe dressed up singing. Little faces. Maybe dressed up in costume. Christmas pageants have become uh, (laughs) (laughs) quite the... uh, Tradition. Tradition. Um, Yes. The interesting thing about the Christmas story, though, is it's one of those things where it can be something becomes so familiar. You you don't even catch that you're missing a lot of it. Yeah, you're right. And I think sometimes that happens with the Christmas story. As familiar as it is, there's really big gaps that we miss. Hmm. Did you do Christmas pageants when you were? Did you maybe call them something else? Christmas plays? Christmas plays, I think. But you know what? It was like every year. I was in the Christmas play. And what role did you have to play? Oh, there well, there were tons. The one I remember the most uh, was a Christmas pageant about a Christmas pageant. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, really, someone got tricky. Really yeah. meta here. <laughs> it was called the first Leon because it's Noel backwards. Oh, heard, oh yeah. man! And, yes. Right, yes. right. <laughs> and there was a character in it, and his name was Jonathan. And I thought as a kid, well, uh, my name is Jonathan, so I must be the one who should be playing Jonathan. Of course. So I auditioned for that one. Uh-huh. And Aud- you had auditioned? I auditioned. Wow. Yeah. And my brother. <laughs> Weren't you the pastor's son? I was. There's no special favorites So here. was his brother, though. <laughs> so, you know Nepotism. what I mean? <laughs> no. Uh, no, but my brother, he got to play Jonathan. Oh. And then he held that over my head because I'm Jonathan and I should have been playing uh, Are you okay right now? <laughs> 
you know, I that must be a thing because yeah. similar to you, I also had to kind of compete with my sibling yeah. for the part that I wanted. Oh, absolutely. Salem Aww. Baptist Church uh, in Champaign was where I went to church, and we would do a little Christmas play. And every year, my older sister got to play Mary, mm. and I was Elizabeth. And so, but oh. in my mind, I felt like, well, I want to be Mary one year. Sure. She always gets to be Mary and I have to be Elizabeth. <laughs> so, she always got to do it. And, you know, but those plays were so fun. And I remember my mom was responsible for some of the costumes and for the mm. set. Ah. So my mom drew these sheep that were, it was like a thick, kind of poster board Mm -hmm. and the outline of a sheep that she maybe backed with some other paper or cardboard so that they could stand (laughs) upright. Okay. Those sheep were used at that church for probably the next 15 years. Oh, wow. I mean, I was in my 20s. (laughs) Well, there's the sheep mom made somewhere. <laughs> that is great. That's made awesome. well in the late 80s. <laughs> made well. But there's um, there's a nostalgia to it, to to reading this story. But sometimes I think it can become so kind of cartoonized yeah. that we forget that it really mm-hmm. happened. Yes. And, and we we have the basics of there was no room for Joseph mm-hmm. and Mary at the inn. And so then yeah. they had this baby and he was in a manger and it almost becomes like a children's story. Well, that's kind of the, the thing I was thinking, what you said right there, emphasized on the children's uh-huh. story, is, is we kind of leave the only time we tell it to telling it to children, yeah. which is extremely important. Do not get me wrong. You have to have that in it. But... We don't really tell it to adults as like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is a real thing that happened and we need to think about that. And so as we talk about preparation all this week, are we prepared to really tell the Christmas story in a way that, yes, you you highlight those parts that make the the Christmas pageant at your church, but you also tell the deeper meaning and the application and maybe parts of it that don't get captured in Mm -hmm. your typical play. And the richness of it, I think we need to be able to communicate that to people who ask, so what is this holiday all about? Yeah. And I get that it's about Jesus and it's his birthday and everything, but what else? You never know when that conversation might come up. So coming up, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to talk about some Christmas songs. And then in this next half hour, we're going to do a deep dive on some of the characters, the lesser known characters of the Christmas story. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Boy, have we got a treat for you, Boom Crew. We're getting near Christmas. Boy, have we got something for you today. We have Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth with us right now. She's the host of two nationally syndicated programs, Revive Our Hearts, which you hear weekdays at 10, and Seeking Him, which is a one-minute on-air devotional at reviveourhearts.com. We are featuring today the first songs of Christmas. It's her latest book. I, Nancy, I love this. First off, Merry Christmas, if I haven't already told you that. Well, I'm so glad you wrote this. This is great. The first songs of Christmas. Why'd you write? Why'd you do it? Well, every year I just try to spend some time in December getting my heart ready for celebrating the coming of Jesus. Because I've been doing this 63 years now, and it can get same old, same old, and it can get hectic, and it can get stressful. But I love just getting my heart centered so that I'm 
I'm in fresh wonder, fresh worship, fresh awe at who Jesus is and why he came. So I love to go through Advent devotionals. I know some of us don't use that word Advent a lot, but it just means coming. He came. We've had his first Advent. We're looking forward to his second Advent, the second Advent of Christ. But this is a 31-day devotional reflecting on the first songs of Christmas that we find in the scripture, the Gospel of Luke. I've loved these songs for years and years and wanted to have a chance with my friends who are listening today to meditate, (laughs) reflect on what those songs are. We're going to hear lots of Christmas music, holiday music, celebration music, and some of it's fun, some of it's meaningful, some of it's worshipful, but none of it is as great as what we find in the scripture, that first Christmas of songs that rang out through the earth after 400 years of silence and darkness. And then these songs began to sound forth and they're still sounding forth. I love them. I love them too. Now, when we talk, think about songs of Christmas, we usually think about a silent night and deck the halls and maybe jingle bells. And we think about some of these tunes that it <laughs> seems like we bad, hear. Are they? No, not at all. all right, we good. hear them on repeat this time of year. What do you mean with the title of the book, The First Songs of Christmas? What are those first songs? Well, when you open the Gospel of Luke, the first two chapters, you find that there were songs, there's poetry, there are prayers that, that have become songs that are given to or sung or said by five different people or groups of people, including angels, they're not people, but um, who responded to the message of the coming of Christ right before he was born and the night he was born in the case of the angels and then after, right after he was born. And these have been recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. They're beautiful. They're poetry. They're scripture. They're, you know, I mean, lots of great Christmas carols we sing today. I love them. And I have them on earlier than most people like to have <laughs> on that. in their home. I love um, that. But there's nothing like these scripture because they're they're tying into the Old Testament promises that a Savior would be born, but they reach forward, they speak of the gospel, the coming of Christ, the saving work of Christ, and then the, the hope that he gives us. So there were songs not just for that early, that initial first Christmas when Jesus was born, but they're songs that speak to us and our walk with Christ today. I love it. Nancy Dumas Walgamuth is our guest right now. She's the author of a 31-day Advent devotional. Okay, so think about it this way, because Advent means coming. Christ is coming. Think about your December, and I want you to think about this now, Boom Crew. What if you tapped into this, and you went and got a copy for yourself and a good friend, and you guys went through a 31-day devotional together through Christmas to keep yourself centered without losing your mind? Yeah, that's what this it is going to do. It actually goes past Christmas, Carl. We go a week past Christmas because well, yeah, that's when we got the days. sugar high and we're stressed <laughs> out. And, that's, and we get this low. But yeah. there were two of the characters of Christmas, important ones, not the best known ones, but they're important. They had songs right after Jesus was born. So we keep focusing in on Christ, centering in on him and singing those songs. So Nancy, uh, rocking around the Christmas tree is a good Christmas song. I love the fun ones too, but there's something about these songs, these songs that are written in scripture, give us an example, a short example of one little phrase or statement in Luke one or two that you're like, man, this is why we got to focus on these songs. Well, there's songs of worship and we get a Christmas focused on so many things other than worship. Uh, this is a time when it can be a really low time for people who are alone, right. for people who are grieving. I know I have two friends who will be widows for the first time this Christmas. It can be a sad time. It can be a stressful time. We're having to 
travel, some of us sometimes having to spend time with people that you hardly know or maybe don't even really like, then all the additional demands and parties. And and here we come with Say the Song of Mary. Here's this teenage girl, maybe 14 years old. She grew up in a rough and tough, tumble area. And she's had this encounter with this angel who's told her that God is fulfilling his promises and he is sending a savior and she's going to be the mother. And what does she do? She she, she sings this, or says this word, this, we call it the Magnificat, because she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And you stop and savor these words. You ponder them, you reflect on them, and you find that whatever is going on in your life or mine in this season, this Christmas, we have a Christ to magnify. We have a God who has saved us in whom we can find joy and rejoicing. And so we look at these words and we, they give us, they they like disrupt us from our grumpiness and our disgruntledness or our (laughs) distractedness. Some of us are happy people, but we're just distracted with things that don't matter so much. And so they bring us into what really matters. What is the truth? What is the gospel? Not only for us to enjoy, but for us to share with those around us who maybe are a little bit more open to that in this season coming up. The book is called The First Songs of Christmas. It's a devotional by Nancy DeMoss Walgam. You, you can find this at moodybooks.org, moodybooks.org. Thank you, Nancy. We love you, sister. Again, check it out, man. The First Songs of Christmas. Want to put faces to the names? Just follow Carl and Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget, that's Carl with a K. Well, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on this Tuesday morning. We are, what, 19 days till Christmas? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 19 days. Can you believe that? I know. It's wild. What? Do you have um, gifts purchased yet? Uh, No. Do you have a tree up? No. Okay. (laughs) Super die. Gifts purchased or tree up? Yes, I do have gifts, not all, but gifts purchased, no tree. No tree. No. How about okay. you? I, I've got, I definitely have the tree up. Uh, I made my first gift purchase maybe two days ago. Oh, okay. okay. Well, uh, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm starting that process. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm tr- I am trying to listen to all of these conversations that we've been having yeah. about not getting lost in all of the busyness. Yeah. That's fair. So that keeps ringing in um, our our own words keep ringing in my mind. Do you guys still do? Well, Diana, I guess you're an only child, so this is different. But <laughs> is your husband an only child? No. Okay. Do you guys still do gifts for your siblings? No. Long time ago, we started doing names out of a hat kind of thing, and then we did away with that as well. That got to be got to be a lot. So now it's just the kids. That's okay. Just Same. the children. Yeah. We kind of collectively decided. Let's just get gifts for the kids. Yes. Okay. There's not enough kids in my family yet to justify that. So we're still doing the name and the hat thing. Okay. But yeah, I remember that conversation where it was like, all right, look, there's, we're all adults. There's too many of us. We can't be getting (laughs) gifts for every single one of us. It's just not plausible. I know sometimes, you know, this is going to sound kind of Scrooge like, but sometimes the best gift is to you and the other person to kind of say, hey, are we doing gifts this year? Okay, no. Okay, great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, sometimes that's a gift. I've done, I've done that before where it's like, are you, do we want to do Christmas gifts? Me and my husband have done that in years past, like particularly <laughs> busy, freeing. particularly busy years. It's like, Hey, do you yeah. want to just skip each other this year? Mm-hmm. And yeah. we'll just do it. I'm good with that. Are you good with that? Yeah. And make, it only works if both people are really in their heart sure. on board, yeah. but that can be actually kind of relieving. Yeah, I get that. Like, my gift to you is that you don't have to buy me a gift. There that, you go. And that's a really good gift sometimes. <laughs> that's a really good Can gift. Be. Coming up, we've been talking about Christmas, obviously. The Christmas story. We're going to do a deep dive on some of the characters of Christmas. How well do you know, really know, the Christmas story? Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, we've got a special guest with us this morning. His name is Daniel Darling. He has been featured on outlets such as USA Today, Washington Post, Christianity Today. He's the author of the bestseller, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Life of Jesus. Uh, now, Daniel, we, we've been joking about how the you know, we've all done the Christmas pageant. If you grew up in church, you've probably uh, had your turn putting on uh, putting a sheet around your head and maybe a, a little vest on where you were called a shepherd or put on that costume and stood up there and read a couple lines. Sometimes our understanding of the Christmas story never progresses beyond that Christmas pageant version. Have you found that to be true? Yes, it is true. I mean, I, I grew up in church and, you know, when I was a kid, I was cast as multiple characters, innkeeper, (laughs) Joseph, all kinds of things, you know, wearing a glorified pillowcase, you know, and, but, you know, the story of Christmas is so much richer and deeper than what we are familiar with. It is profound, really. Yeah. So let's let's start with um, who would you say is the most overlooked character that plays a big role that doesn't often get talked about? That's a hard question. I mean, I think I would start with Joseph. Even okay. He's prominent in our nativity scenes and Christmas cards and all that. But, you know, even in the gospel narratives, he kind of disappears after Jesus is at the temple. But Joseph is a, an important person because he um, was willing to take on an assignment that was very difficult to be the earthly father to the son of God that was not his own biological child, to be willing to endure the the shame and the scorn of marrying Mary, even though they knew that the child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Most people around them may or may not believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they had to endure all that. And yet he was faithful. He had to move his family several times to Egypt and then back from Egypt to Bethlehem for the, for the um, census and all those things. And every time he was asked to... Um, do something hard and difficult. He he did it. He obeyed God. And so I think he's a great example of someone who um, is maybe not enough attention is given to, but I think he's a great model for us to follow. Yeah. Now, we have definitely turned Christmas into, a, you know, very, there's a lot of warmth, there's lights, there's gifts, there's all of these things that are, are very sweet. But you mentioned that the, the Christmas story is both wonderful and yet violent. Why violent? Well, it's true. And, and I love all, all of the, the pageantry of Christmas. I love the lights and the, the gifts and the, and the music. And I think that's appropriate because we're celebrating the the coming of a, of our king, right? We should we should do that. But I also think their Christmas uh, deals in reality, the real story of Christmas. And and many people come to Christmas this year not in a festive mood. You know, most people are not singing. It's a wonderful time of year. They're they're with Merle Haggard. They're singing. If we can make it through December, uh, because they're they're going through difficult times. What maybe there's an empty place at the table. Maybe they had some financial issues. You know, maybe there's uh, relational dysfunction. All of those things. And the real Christmas, you, you can bring your sadness and your pain to Christmas because 
the world that Jesus came into was a very broken world. He came to a people that had lost their country. They'd lost their identity. They were under Roman rule. He came into a world that was ruled by rulers who were cruel. Even the actual story, Herod, so jealous of this, the rumor of this king that he tries to uh, eliminate him and, and ends up murdering young uh, babies and baby boys in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And so Christmas is not just a sentimental feel-good story. It is God's entrance into a broken world. It's God, Emmanuel, God with us, God uh, taking on humanity and entering into the squalor and the pain and the hardship of real life so that he could renew and restore the world and, and make it renew the world as it should be. Yeah. You mentioned Herod, who does play a, a big role in the Christmas story, but you're certainly not going to see him cast in your Christmas play at your local right. church. So Herod was definitely one of the most powerful men, feared by many, and yet he was threatened by the birth of a child named Jesus. How is How do you see his reaction tied to this really this bigger battle between God and Satan? Well, it's interesting how Matthew contrasts two kinds of kings, right? He contrasts King Jesus, who is in the line of David, who is the rightful heir to David's throne, who is coming in humble circumstances, who's coming, whose birth is announced by shepherds, not in not in the palaces of Rome or of Herod's palace. And then you have Herod, who is a jealous king, who's not even in, uh, the rightful king of Israel, who rules by power and brute force. And there's this contrast, but really Herod's, this place of Herod in the Christmas story goes all the way back to Genesis, where Jesus promised that there'd be this violent clash between the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent, but ultimately that the seed of the woman would triumph. And and Jesus, in his birth and life and death and resurrection, has triumphed over the enemy, over the Herods of the world. Herod's just one in a long line of people who have raised themselves up against God to try to destroy God's people. But we we as Christians, we as the people of God can take comfort knowing that Jesus ultimately triumphed. He crushed yeah. the heel of the serpent and he is triumphant. And as Romans says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yeah, Daniel Darling is our guest right now, author of the book, The Characters of Christmas. Coming up, let's talk about the innkeeper. In most plays, he plays a prominent role. He, he famously tells Mary and Joseph, there is no room in the inn. Where do we find that in scripture? if at all. We're going to ask Daniel Darling that coming up. Go back and listen to your favorite episodes with the Carl and Crew Showcast. Just text SHOW to 312-274-9624. We're back with our special guest, Daniel Darling, author of The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. What about the innkeeper? It the one who said, I'm sorry, there's no room in the inn, and which forces Mary and Joseph to find a place in a stable. Where do we see that in scripture or is it there at all? Well, it, it, there's always been debate throughout the year, throughout the centuries. And I think, you know, was there an, an actual innkeeper? We're not quite sure. But we do know that Luke records that when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, there was no place for them to stay. Uh, the town had swollen with people who were coming back for the census. What an interesting picture that is, that the Son of God is going to be born. This is uh, the most important uh, event in human history, and the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. You can imagine Joseph being panicked and a little nervous as a father saying, "We got Mary's going to give birth, and I don't know how this is going to happen, and yet uh, God providing a place. So we don't know if there was actually an innkeeper, but someone had to tell them, someone had to communicate them that there's no place in the inn. So mm-hmm. I do think it's possible that there was someone. And, and I think what's interesting about the innkeeper is that on the one hand, he had no place for them to go but he made a place. He made room for Jesus. And I think there is a powerful story here of us at Christmas that 
Will we make room for Jesus in the busyness of our lives? Will we make room for Jesus? And when Jesus comes, when he came that first night in Bethlehem, no one was ready for him. The town wasn't ready. Bethlehem wasn't ready. The religious leaders weren't ready. Places of to stay, the inns were not ready. And yet Jesus comes when we're least ready. And it, it's the way it is today. Jesus disrupts our lives. He comes into our lives when we're least expecting. Yeah. And, and I think this is an important lesson of Christmas. Let's talk about the angels. They play a prominent role. How significant to the Christmas story are the angels? And what did you learn in your study there? What I love talking about the angels is, you know, if you think about every part of this Christmas story, the angels are there to tell it, right? They're there, uh, first of all, in the temple to, to talk to Zacharias and say that you are, you and your wife are going to bear the the forerunner of the Messiah, the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist. And then the angel is there to tell Mary, this vulnerable young teenage girl on the backside of the Roman Empire with no agency and no power. You are going to bear the Messiah. You're going to be the virgin that will conceive that was prophesied by Isaiah. And then an angel comes to talk to a troubled Joseph and, and say, it's okay to marry Mary. This is of God. So you you can do this. And then angels are on the are filling the sky over the Bethlehem shepherd fields and telling and announcing to the shepherds that Christ has come. And you see angels throughout history warning the wise men in a dream to not talk to Herod. Uh, angels there during Jesus' ministry, right? When he's yeah. uh, tempted in the garden, they're there to comfort him and, and, and feed him. And so angels, and then we see angels at the end of the age in the book of Revelation as well. Angels are not humans. You know, angels don't get to participate in the grace that, that, it, that God has given to us. Angels are not for whom Christ came to redeem. He came to redeem humans. Only humans are image bearers of God, but they are witnesses to this amazing story. They've seen this story unfold. And imagine the view of the angels when they're watching this God's plan unfold. It says in in 2 Peter, the angels long to look into Mm. this story. And so I do think we should try to take the perspective of the angels as uh, as the song that Charles Wesley wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. What he's saying is hark means to listen. Listen to what the angels are, what they're saying. They're saying that they're urging us to worship and glorify this child in the manger. Yeah. And I think when we when we think about the Christmas story, we we want to be cast as the the good guys, the shepherds, the wise man, mm. the the angels, but you write that really there could be more Herod in us, the bad guy in mm. this story than we may realize, right? I think so. You know, we we always envision that we're the good people at Christmas. And it's interesting, every Christmas story has a bad guy, right? Like whether it's uh, the Grinch or whether it's It's a Wonderful Life with Mr. Ebenezer Potter. Scrooge. Even Hall- <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Even the Hallmark stories have something, you know, sort of evil developer that's huh. destroying the Christmas yeah. story or something. But, you know, this Herod is the original, you know, bad guy in the Christmas story. But I do think all of us, if if we don't examine our hearts, can be more Herod than than good guy. We can we can be people who are threatened by Christmas, threatened by Jesus, threatened by what he has come to do and to say. And, you know, if we really believe what Mary wrote about Jesus, that his coming into the world was not just some sweet and sentimental thing, that uh, this is a radical reordering of the world. This is turning the world upside down. Our question at Christmas is, when we have an encounter with Jesus, are we are we threatened by him? Or are we willing to, as Joseph, as Mary did, to say yes to Jesus and follow him where he 
will lead us. Mm, I love that insight. As you're right, the the uh, being threatened are so many people who will accept Christmas, but only to a certain point. I, I I'm good with the tree. I'm good with some of the music, but many people will say, uh, "But when you start to make it about Jesus, that's kind of where I draw the mm. line." And that's you're right. That there's a temptation. There's a little Herod in all of us if we're not careful. Where we can we can put a stiff arm out and go, yep, that's a little bit too far. I'm a little threatened by that level of uh, obedience, that level of sacrifice, that level of commitment. Daniel Darling, our guest this morning, the characters of Christmas, the unlikely people caught up in the story of Jesus. You have a final thought, Daniel. I'll give you the the closing uh, closing remarks here. I just want to say this is a wonderful opportunity that uh, two thousand years later we're still pausing this month to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the entrance of, of Jesus into the world. And I know for a lot of folks, Christmas is a wonderful time of year and it's it, it's great. But I know there's a lot of folks who are sad yeah. that this provokes loneliness and fear and there's a lost loved one, there's a lost relationship, maybe a lost job. And I want people to know that you can bring your sadness uh, to Christmas too, because Jesus came into a world very much like ours that's broken. And he can hear your pain. And uh, Jesus is our good shepherd. And he comes alongside us in this season. So if that is you, I want to invite people to investigate the Christmas story, to go deeper than just the the surface and really understand why Jesus came and uh, what he can do to save you. You can check out this book, The Characters of Christmas, uh, by Daniel Darling, moodybooks.org, moodybooks.org. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me talking about Jesus and having fun while doing it. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. What does Christmas mean to your family? What kind of answers do you think you might get? Hmm. Uh, from, from believers and non-believers. What does Christmas mean to your family? Food. Food. I mean, food is a good one. Yeah, gather, right. Gathering and food. The gathering? Gathering and a food. A time yeah. to be together. A time to be together. Uh, a... Uh, a time to give, to be generous. Okay, so a time for generosity, a time for gathering, a time for awe and wonder. Yeah, a time to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Yeah. And so, you know, I was <laughs> sitting down uh, last night and I, 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 I bought these Christmas cards in bulk from my favorite store. Ah, uh, Costco. Costco. I wasn't a tease Costco, yep, but you, you got they it. were. Okay. You got it. And so, and these are not just any Christmas cards. These are the ones that look like they were kind of handmade. So there's like a stocking and it's not just a picture, a flat picture of sure. a stocking. It's got texture to oh, it. Oh, okay, cool. It's got different elements kind of woven in. So it's oh, one nice. of those Christmas cards that really almost looks like a gift in of itself because it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And okay. so I bought a whole box, a bulk box of these at Costco for a great price, by the way. <laughs> just throwing that in. Oh, interesting. That in, but, uh, okay. So I have this box of cards that yeah. I'm going to get ready to hand out. But as beautiful as they are on the outside, I, I started looking through some of the the little writing, the, the pre-written message that's put oh, inside Christmas cards. Yes. Yeah. You know, whether you buy a birthday card mm -hmm. or an anniversary mm -hmm. card, somebody sat down and did some of the heavy lifting for you. This is true. <laughs> so instead of you send a card to grandma, instead of you having to sit out and write everything, you, most people add a little personal touch. But already pre-written pre, pre -written for you is, may this year 
bring the best of memories as you are celebrated, blah, 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 blah. So yeah. somebody wrote something for you to pre-fill that in, just in case you want to just write, love Jonathan, and throw that bad boy <laughs> in the go. mail. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I was looking through that pre-written content in these Christmas cards. And let me tell you some of what I found. This was the, the Costco bulk version. Mm. Hope your stocking is full this year. That was one of them. Okay. Hoping that your Christmas holds all you ever wished for. Hmm. How about this one? Enjoy the warmth, wonder, and magic of the Christmas season. Mm. One all more. Right. May your home be filled with warmth and beauty this Christmas. Now, you know, I'm all, all right. for a nice, warm holiday greeting. But when we wish people a Merry Christmas, when we talk about this season what do we want to tell them that this means for them? Beyond the warmth and the wonder and the stocking and the tree, let's come up with some better Christmas yes. card messages. You're going to help me coming up. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. So if you want to get the story behind the story, you got to talk to eyewitnesses. That's what I learned. I would think so. As yeah. a young journalist. Super Die, you spent some time in a newsroom, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Eyewitness testimony is really important. Everything. Eyewitness yeah. accounts. You know, mm -hmm. if there's some big event that happens, a young reporter gets sent out with a microphone to find out what do people around this story think. Yes. Jonathan, you you, you do news. You, and I so do. a lot of times you see a story, and if it's a story happening in the city of Chicago, let's yeah. say it's a something related to the mayor's office. Sure. You'll see a story, and included in it might be quotes from who? Uh, might be quotes from maybe the people that, it, it is, let's say the mayor has passed a new uh, bill or yep. something. Mm -hmm. uh, then it's going to talk to maybe the people that, uh, it affects most directly. Exactly. Maybe the the uh, full on supporters, maybe the and, and at the same time, the people who disagree with it the most. Uh -huh. So you can get both sides. Yeah. Uh, and and kind of decide, hey, this is where I'm going to lie on this issue. Yeah. Got your journalism cap on this morning. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you might have a, a quote. You'll often hear somebody, a reporter say something in Mayor Lightfoot's office or uh, Governor Pritzker's office, and there will be yeah. some statement released from a govern government right. official with their take on it. Yeah. Well, that's how you tell a complete story is that you gather some you gather not just the what happened, but you want to get to the impact. You mentioned how are people affected by this? So mm -hmm. we want to hear from them. So when you look at the Christmas story in Luke 1 and 2, there's a couple of key eyewitnesses, if you will, who we can gather much from their accounts, not just of what the what, but the why. We're big about the why here, right? Absolutely. So I want to pull a little bit from, this is from Luke 1, and I'm going to be quoting from Mary's Song of Praise, which we heard Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth talking about. Uh, this is her when she finds out that she's going to be giving birth to the Savior of the world. And this all of this prophecy is true. She has a, a famous song of praise. And so I want to read a little bit of what her why is, what she says about why this is such a big deal. So this is Luke 1. I'm going to start with verse 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with it, with his arm. Flipping some pages here on air. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. A couple key words I want to pull out here. Mercy. The big why for her, it's God's display of mercy for those who fear him. From generation to generation, it's a show of strength. It's a scattering of the proud and an uplifting of the humble. It's a filling of the hungry with good things, and it's a sending away of the, of the rich who walk away empty. Jesus has nothing to offer those who don't see their need for him. Let's move to uh, a little bit of eyewitness uh, or the why from Zechariah, who is the father of Jesus's cousin, yes. John the Baptist. No. I didn't realize that for a while. Yeah, all the connections, it's hard to make. Yeah. Reading it, I went, wait a second. So if Elizabeth and Mary are pregnant at the same time, that means they're cousins. I don't know why I didn't catch that, <laughs> that, that Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. That's okay. A little side note there. So John the Baptist was the one who ultimately would prepare the way for Jesus. His father, Zechariah, has this to say. God has visited and redeemed his people. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. So what does he emphasize here? Salvation, redemption. One more little account for you. There's a lesser known character in the Christmas story. His name is Simeon. Yes. He's a devout, righteous man. And he mm-hmm. is there at the temple. Not He's not really featured anywhere else except mm-hmm. for this one short little passage. You're familiar with Simeon? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He's in the <laughs> temple and he has been waiting, waiting for this moment. And when Jesus is brought to the temple to be presented at eight days old, What does Simeon, this righteous man who's been waiting for this moment for so many years, what does he have to say? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So when you think about Christmas cards, Maybe the Christmas card that you'll actually write or the communication that you'll have around Christmas this time of year with many different people from many different backgrounds. It's wonderful to talk about the manger. It's wonderful for people to understand that it's Jesus's birthday and that Jesus is the reason for the season. All of those kind of little catchphrases that help a little bit. But what if you explain to people that this holiday is about salvation? Hmm. It's about mercy. It's about redemption. So instead of that uh, wishing you peace this holiday season or hoping that your Christmas holds all you ever wished for, how about something like this? May you experience the tender mercy of God through the coming of his son, Jesus. What about something like that? Or what about there's a horn of salvation? (laughs) (laughs) May you hear it and respond. (laughs) Exactly. May you experience mercy. May you fear him so that his mercy will rest upon you. May you be hungry for good things this time of year and know that Jesus is the one who will fill you. Give it a try. Give me your best Christmas card message that really captures these themes that we've been talking about. Mary's song, Zechariah's praise, Simeon's proclamation, 
Give me, I'll give you some keywords to help you out. Salvation, mercy, redemption, light. What do you think? Give, give it your best shot. Text us your best Christmas card mes- message using those themes instead. Text us 312-274-9624. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Your best summary of the why for Christmas, in your words, for a Christmas card. That's the challenge right now. It's the Christmas card challenge. You're going to write your own (laughs) little pithy grabber that would really sum up for people what you want to communicate. There's Christmas messages a lot of times that are, you know, it's about the warmth and the wonder and the awe and the peace and the joy. And all of those are somewhere in the Christmas story, but sometimes those themes of mercy redemption, salvation, don't feel as Christmassy, but it's yeah. vital. <laughs> it's it vital is, but you're right. know that yeah. the coming of Jesus is vital because of salvation, mm. because we need mercy. It's God's tender mercy extended to us. But summing up a couple of these passages in Luke 1 and 2, as you read through the Christmas story, the words of Mary, the words of Zechariah, the words of Simeon, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she says, his mercy is for those who fear him. She talks about strength, how he scattered the proud, he brought down the mighty. For Zechariah, the why, he's the father of John the Baptist, whose son uh, would, John the Baptist was the one who would really prepare the way for Jesus. He was the forerunner. God has visited and redeemed his people. This is his why. Raised up a horn of salvation. It's a display of the tender mercy of God. And then finally, Simeon, who was a devout, righteous man. He was there in the temple when Jesus was presented at eight days old. My eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So give it a try, your best Christmas card version of how to how to kind of sum up this message in a way that would really give people a broader meaning of why Christmas matters to them. I'm going to read through some of these. 1857, we love because he gave. Yeah. 0723, mm-hmm. you are worthy of the present he had sent you. A Merry Christmas. 1046, may God's gift to us fill you with wonder all year long. 0241. I like this one. In one perfect gift, God wrapped every blessing his heart holds, and they are abundant and everlasting. I celebrate with you the indescribable gift of Jesus and the hope of eternity in his presence. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. Wow. Do you do this for a living? Yeah. <laughs> 3758. <laughs> May this Ooh. season remind us daily the great I am. Good. 7155. His tender mercy came to us on Christmas Day, and his mercies are new every day. I like that. It's got a nice ring yeah, to it. Yeah. Again. A couple more for you. 9465. May the magic of Christmas bring you lots of joy, peace, and health. Also wishing you lots of blessings in the coming new year. Uh-huh. 6744. May your heart seek the Christmas star and discover the true gift of life, Jesus. 1989. May his love fill your heart with gentle peace. 7326. May the light of Jesus shine in and around you this Christmas season. You know, it's good to be able to communicate it in a card. We also want to be able to, in more conversational ways, (laughs) tell people why Christmas matters to us. So if it comes up, hey, how are you celebrating this Christmas, sir? A good question maybe to ask somebody to get the conversation started is, I'd love to hear what Christmas means to you and your family, and then get the conversation going. People may start talking about gifts and gathering and food, but you might be able to share why Christmas matters to your family this year.
these 12 days of Christmas, you hear that beautiful music. We're on day four. What what was the what was my true love giving to me on day four? Uh, um Four turtle doves. Calling hens. Calling hens. No, There's three calling birds. Doves. Calling birds. birds. Yeah, the hens didn't call. <laughs> my my call boss is mouthing it all to me. To I know. I know. Call, calling hens. Yeah. Jonathan, call the hogs. Call the hens. <laughs> it's a different song. Carl's not here, so I just thought, That's you know, right. throwing something random hey, in. Hey, let's so, do it. So appropriate. <laughs> let's get to the fun. We're on Facebook Live, so hey, if you're watching us that way. I believe we have our online winner ready to go. Give me a thumbs up. Can we bring our online winner in? Okay, yes. let's talk to Liz, who's our winner today from Chicago. Liz, you're on with Carl and Crew Mornings. Congrats. You're about to get your day made. We've got a gift for you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. Would you prefer white wrapping paper or like a burlap kind of uh, wrapping yes. paper? What's hmm. your choice? Hmm. So I'll go with the which one is the smallest gift. The, the smallest. smallest. Oh wow! Okay. Smart. Okay. That's I can get you smart the because gift. great things come in small packages, right, Liz? You've heard that one. Exactly. Well, hey, you know what, Liz? Baby it works Jesus. out. <laughs> That's right. It works out for you too because the smallest package here has three different packages attached to it. So we're gonna okay. open the smallest one first. Here we go. Okay. No clean And you got to make here. the choice for an online winner yet to be announced. All right. The first thing is a power cube. That's pretty awesome. It's okay. like a uh, a power strip, but it's a cube, so <laughs> okay. it's in a smaller okay. package. But there's more to come. All right. That's not all, Liz. Nice. The second thing. I th okay, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out which ah, gift this is. Okay, this one. What do we have? Is an awesome pair of Vibe Bluetooth headphones. Okay. Amazing. Oh, yes, yes. Perfect. Perfect. You go on a run. You just go on a walk. You know what? You want to go to the store. This is the do, do you hear what I hear gift pack. Yes. I got it. And yes. finally, Allie, can you tell me what gonna, the final thing is? I feel like I'm on the prices, right? <laughs> Allie, tell us what we have. Yes. It's JBL True Wireless Bluetooth Earbuds. JBL Clip 4 Portable Bluetooth Speaker nice. and a Power Plug Adapter. With the Clip Speaker, you can share the music of Christmas or for those moments when you need to keep it to yourself, Pop in those earbuds and you're ready to go. Liz, congratulations. Yes, Thank you so Merry much, guys. Christmas. That's perfect. Who's we will our, get good use in our house for sure. Good. Fantastic. Who's our online winner, Jonathan? Uh, I don't have that name. Who is our online winner? Does anyone know our online winner? John from South <laughs> Elgin. Thanks, from Andrew. South Elgin. John from South Elgin. Merry Christmas it's to you, too. You're getting the same today. gift. John from South Elgin is our online winner. Liz from Chicago won from the call-in. Yes. Tomorrow could be you, but here's what you need to do. You need to get an online entry form, one entry form, and you're eligible for all 12 days. So keep watching. Keep waiting if we haven't called you yet. Your name is still in there. Text the word Christmas to 312 274 Nine six two four, and then a cue to call in every day comes around eight thirty. So listen all morning, but for sure be listening at eight thirty for your opportunity to call in and win tomorrow's gift. And go on Facebook Live if you missed it; it's going to be up there, and you're going to see Jonathan wearing a too small Christmas sweater. <laughs> it's not mine, but I decided it needed to be worn. Yes, what size? the candy canes are the. It's the in hits. a size. Uh, medium. Medium. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 
That's a Facebook exclusive. <laughs> hey, I'm Allie. This is Carlin Crew Mornings, 12 Days of Christmas, signing off. We will see you tomorrow. Radio, stick around. We're not going anywhere. Merry Christmas. Hey, this is Carl with Carlin Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.